the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. No matter where we are, we must aspire to a perfect life. These are the words of our patron, St. Francis de Sales. And this is the spirituality which we, canons, sisters, oblates of the Institute of Christ the King, bring to our apostolates, firm in the conviction that perfection or the devout life is in the reach of anyone who strives to love the holy will of God. And we must aspire to perfection. The amiable St. Francis de Sales penned these words 400 years ago. He was a Catholic, he was the Catholic Bishop of Geneva at a time when Calvinism had made enormous inroads in that part of Europe, so much so that he was obliged to hold his seat in the neighboring French town of Annecy. He was nevertheless deeply respected by Catholic and Protestant alike for his personal holiness and his ability to touch the souls of everyone he met. In his immortal introduction to the devout life, translated into over a dozen languages in his lifetime, St. Francis wrote, It is an error, a heresy even, to want to banish the devout life from the company of soldiers, the shops of artisans, the courts of princes, and the homes of married people. No matter where we are, we must aspire to a perfect life. What is perfection? St. Francis de Sales explains that leading a devout life and aspiring to perfection does not mean going through life without the slightest fault. Nor, nor does it mean making up for faults with additional prayers and penances. The spiritual life, whether it goes by the name of devotion, holiness, or perfection, consists entirely in a great love for God. And it begins not with us, but with God's love for us. When God's love acts upon a human soul, it is called grace. When that divine love gives us the strength to do good and love God and neighbor, it is called charity. And when the love of God reaches the point in us where we love not in occasional spurts or aspirations, but habitually, then it is called perfection or devotion. Monks and nuns are said to be on the road to perfection because they take vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience. But the means of perfection are not closed to those who live in the world. The wealthy can cultivate the spirit of poverty by thanking God for all good things he has given them, by joyfully accepting the trials, managing their wealth, and by generously helping those in need. They can place their hearts in heaven even though they have treasure on earth. Soldiers, businessmen, and people in all walks of life <coughs> can practice obedience 
by serving their country or their customers and by regularly submitting to the will of others in little things whenever faith, morals, or duty are not at stake. Married people can practice chastity by faithfulness to each other, remembering that they share a great sacrament through which they must help each other to become saints. If God grants them children, they have a common mission to teach them to know, love, and serve their Creator. Above all, St. Francis de Sales teaches us that we must not think of being devout as having an unpleasant life right now so that we can earn heaven. Life in God is inviting, happy, and altogether pleasant, he says. If we follow the saint's sound advice, we will find that holiness is well within our reach, and we will never settle for anything else. You may know that St. Francis de Sales was a knight by birth. Among the lives of the saints, we find many stories of great knights who had a conversion. Well, if you read any accurate life of St. Francis de Sales, you will find that he did not convert from his life in the world to become a priest. St. Francis de Sales became a priest to save the souls of others. As for his own soul, he had been working on saving that from early childhood. When he decided to commence studies for the priesthood, he was already living a devout life in the world. He was a man of prayer and learning, but he was also a man of affairs and an accomplished swordsman, a gentleman. Not long before our saintly knight turned missionary, went to preach in the Chablais, one of the noble families of Florence, the Martellis, built a summer villa up in the hills just east of the city. It went by the name of Griciliano. That beautiful name it still keeps today as the seminary of the Institute of Christ the King. Their family coat of arms still hangs gloriously in the villa with its unforgettable motto, Sola virtus vera nobilitas. Virtue alone is true nobility. In St. Francis's day, in order to be called a gentleman, you had to possess a coat of arms. Your family had to be noble. But gentlemen were expected to live up to the virtues embodied in their family crest. The Age of Revolution did away with this state of affairs, which had been in place for centuries. No more gentlemen, no more ladies, only citizens. The furor of that murderous age eventually subsided, and the old vocabulary was not forgotten. Like monsieur in French, gentlemen could now be used to refer to any more or less respectable man, or it could be applied to him as a quality. No longer was the appellation to be reserved to those men who were fortunate enough to possess great titles. 
It should apply to any man who lives virtuously. That sounds fair enough, but we might well ask if this world we live in, a world which cut off the heads of all nobles, is more virtuous than the one which preceded it. It might, I'm afraid, be more accurate to say that as the modern world did away with nobility, knighthood, coats of arms, they soon forgot about practicing the virtues which those things represented. The old world was full of good knights and bad knights, but everyone knew the difference. And if you think you might like to restore to our society the practice of the virtues which were once the badge of the Christian gentleman, faith, hope, and charity, prudence, justice, temperance, and courage. There is a nice word the modern English language would apply to you, quixotic. The word, of course, comes from the main character and title of the novel Don Quixote de la Mancha, that brilliant and delightfully funny book written by Miguel de Cervantes, himself a worthy Christian knight and brave warrior of the Battle of Lepanto. Our English word quixotic has a negative connotation. It generally refers to someone who is foolishly attached to old ideals. Yet who among us has read the story of Don Quixote and not felt a deep sympathy, nay, an unbounded love for that old knight who sallies forth in his, into his decaying world to right all wrongs. <clears throat> Who among our young men here has not dreamed countless times of being such a knight? It is for this reason that so many young men go to seminary, to love, to serve, and to suffer under Our Lady's mantle, to submit to many years of arduous training with a great band of fellow knights, so that they may all one day go forth into this world which has abandoned all standards of goodness in order to teach all people in all walks of life that they must be good at what they are, that their careers, their social engagements, their vacations, their tireless efforts to educate their children, all these things must be for them a means to gain heaven. <coughs> Many people in the world today, if they had a decent enough vocabulary, would call your way of life quixotic. You prize Sunday attendance at Mass over every worldly imposition. You frequently visit this holy house on many other occasions, just to kneel here in silence. You have spent and will continue to spend countless hours in prayer at home in your family. You dress modestly and teach your children to do likewise and keep them from worldly activities which would threaten their faith, filling their days instead with learning, sports and music and Christian fun. You are for the cause of life. You are willing to march into hell for a heavenly cause to stand in a world that calls a child a choice and an old person a burden and declare 
We are not just pro-birth or pro-natural death. We stand for everything in between. Standing up for life means fighting for the right of every human being to pursue the devout life, to be born, baptized, and confirmed, to receive the body and blood of our Savior Jesus Christ, to get married and share with another person that great sacrament of sacrificial love, and serve as God's ambassadors, inviting new life into this beautiful creation, to become a priest and dispense the mysteries of God to his ever-growing mystical body, or to leave all, even some good things in this world, in order to live entirely for God and enjoy that purest foretaste of paradise that is the religious life. This is no impossible dream. These are the promises of Christ. And whatever our vocation in life, we are called to live it in such a way that we may come to a happy death, be anointed with the sacred oil, and have the priest help us to whisper our last words, calling upon the names of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. May St. Francis de Sales intercede for all future priests and religious among us here, all who long to give themselves with generosity to marriage and family, for all who aspire to the joys and glories of the devout life. Amen.